We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome along to the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Alex Hurst and Charlotte Robson, True Faith regulars and stalwarts, but <laughs> special guest this week, Sean Ark, who you may have heard before, well, most of you have heard before, once or twice on his first Newcastle United win. And Matt Ketchell of Match of the Day magazine joins us. Matt, great to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks for having us on. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure. It's a it pleasure is. like it is to watch Newcastle United yeah. these days for about <laughs> four or five minutes per game when we score goals. Just all of you guys here with me are exiled magpies. You all live in the, the capital city of this United Kingdom. Yep. But you're all home for Christmas. And has, is there any better Christmas present, Sean? I'll start with you. And seeing the mighty Magpies get three points at St James's Park, absolutely not. It was, it was, it was a brilliant day. I mean, I think everyone who goes to that ground and went to that ground yesterday just wanted to come away with three points before Christmas. Takes everyone into a what no doubt was another night out for everybody else. And you know, maybe a tough watch at times. I'm sure we'll get onto that, but I think the overriding feeling is just a bit of relief and a bit of joy for Miggy. I think we can probably all agree on that one. I thought you said Mickey there, as in his 30th birthday it was yesterday. Him as well. Probably more importantly, the the Paraguayan um, who got his <laughs> who got his first goal. Is there a point catch when you're on the the was it the East Coast Main Line home that you kind of become more broadly Geordie? Do you start planning karaoke <laughs> at the Black Garter just as you get closer to Newcastle? Is there some sort of like massive homecoming for you or? Or do you like think, oh no, I've got to go and watch Steve Bruce's Marks play? <laughs> no, it's, it's the bridge, isn't it? As soon as you get over the bridge, I'm I'm like I'm home. My accent gets broader and I st- stop sounding like Chris Waddle. And start <laughs> sounding more like Gaza. So it it it's, it's, it always gets you, doesn't it? When you come up, when you come over the bridge. And when I first moved to London five years ago, I didn't really miss the region as much. But now I kind of miss it quite a lot, and especially when Newcastle are winning. Um, and when I came over the bridge on Friday, I was strapping in for a bit of a a rough festive period. I didn't think we were going to get much from these games. I thought Palace was the one that we needed to get something from, and we'll have. And, and now I'm like, not, not, not massively. I'm, I'm quite confident about Boxing Day because any anything can happen with this this lot. <sighs> no. Confident about Man United away. <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> and possibly last. Right, mate. You know, you, you were at the game um, as we all were. We may as well get into the big question. Uh, there's been a couple of articles by journalists today. One by George Colgan Athletic, which just says Newcastle United, what the fuck? <laughs> Winning games and being bad at football does you know, does it matter? Are you remotely asked that yesterday was a dreadful watch, if that's what you think? Mm-hmm. Is it all about winning? You know, should we just accept it what it is? Well, winning makes 
all the negativity go away really doesn't it it isn't it isn't pretty um you can win and win and win but there has to be some kind of progression and what i worry about i'm enjoying the wins obviously i'm enjoying being 10 points clear relegation what i'm worried is the whole thing is built on sand there's no we're just in a cycle now of of doing okay getting wins and then we know what happens next we sell our best players we bring in new players and hope that they can eventually become uh, expensive assets that then are sold on again there's no investment in the training ground and it's just a, the vicious circle where are we going with this you know what i mean if we get into europe that would probably kill us the squad <laughs> wouldn't be able to cope so yeah. you're, 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 you're aspiring to be in europe you're aspiring to go on cup runs but it would probably have a damaging effect on the the league form so i think i think what really needs to happen is in the short term have a real go at the fa cup um, put a, the best team out there while we've while we've got momentum and just just keep momentum going. Hope that Mike actually leaves and get some kind of plan together because, like I said, I, I do think it's built on sand. But you never you never get sick of winning. No, I think I think you're right there in the FA Cup. I think Rochdale is the most important game of the season when it comes around. Uh, Charlotte, do you agree with Ketch there that it's built on sand, or do you think there's more to it? more to this United side. No, I, I I do kind of agree. I think as well, like being a Newcastle fan is 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 kind of expecting something terrible to happen around the corner as well. So so yeah, I, I do I agree with him. I don't I don't think winning makes the negativity go away. There was like you know I'm not going to be really negative on this podcast, but I I think there were a lot of things wrong with yesterday and a lot of worrying. I mean, it, it looked like one goal was going to do it either way, and it, it seemed completely open until until Miggy scored. So, you know, there are there are loads of things that worry me about our squad, and I still feel, and it's probably because I'm in it's in Newcastle, but I still feel like this we're riding some kind of luck that's that's probably going to run out. That's horrible, isn't it? It's not horrible. That's what we're here to talk about, and I'm sure many people listening feel the same there's 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 positives and negatives still 7,000 empty seats there yesterday for yeah. the last game before Christmas and James is quite sad probably the last game well it will be the last game that happens because from Everton we'll have 10,000 sold fellow, out they said fellows, it sold out yeah Everton um, in the ground with us but the atmosphere at the end was just sensational yesterday the, in the corner doesn't happen very often but the the, the concrete below our feet was, was moving up and down. That's how loud it was, and that everyone's just buzzing. Everyone's happy to see thousands stream out into the Newcastle night, buzzing. You know, I'm kind of conflicted with just like what we've just watched was terrible. Like, <laughs> and let's not beat about the bush. It was another dreadful performance, and it was. We can defend. We can defend, and we'll have a goalkeeper that is winning us points. So there are positives there, and there is something to build on from that. There is something to build on for the, this manager, but also future managers, because I, I quite like the fact that. For the first time in my life, pretty much, we can defend. We are a team that know how to defend and would do it well. So if you can get that sorted, you're always in with a shout. If you look at the previous relegation side, it's one thing they couldn't do. We can defend, and the lads stick at it. Heads don't go down. Players keep running. Paul Dummett is a great example. I thought he was really poor. I thought he was shocking. Not his position, left wing back, but he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop putting those balls in. He doesn't stop floating them up in the six-yard box of the keeper to catch. But I'm joking, but he, he he doesn't stop. He keeps going. And so there are positives there, I feel, but I totally get where he's coming from, that to take nine points out of Sheffield, Southampton and Palace with the performances never happen again. You play those games a hundred times, we'll not get nine points from them, which is, you know, it's either a good thing or a bad thing, but 
Sean, you look like you want to say it's, something. I mean, it's it. I I agree with what's being said. It's fine margins as well. I mean, Palace aren't a good side. You look no. down the league. Norwich are a really shit side. Villa are a shit side. There's a lot of shit sides down there. So we're not unique to this at all. I think there's kind of a, you know, I I feel exactly what everyone else feels, and you know, we are negative. We aren't we aren't a good side to watch. But there's a lot of other teams that kind of also aren't a good side to watch. I think we? I think you, the the two sides you've brought up there are yeah. good examples because Norwich and Villa just create loads of chances but don't mm. score them. Look yeah. at Norwich yes against Wolves should have won that game three or four nil. Where yeah. where the opposite will have one shot and will score. And that's not sustainable. There will no. be a game soon where we'll probably get turned over four 0 and play better than the three games we've just I've just I've just alluded to there. But we may as well get into the nitty gritty of yesterday's fantastic game. Catch two up front for the first time this season, I think, from the manager. Did did you back it? Did it work? I quite liked it when I saw the team. I think in 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 without the ball, I think it was a, a five it looked like a five three two to me. And then with the ball, it was more of a three-four-three with Almir on on the left, which is mm. great. That's where I want him. That's where I want to see him. I want him driving to the byline rather than cutting in. I think that's better for him and better for the side. And also great to see Lejeune back. Yeah. I think he's. Our, I think he is our best player. It's just a case of seeing how has he recovered from a second ACL. Can take a lot out of a, a player. If he comes back as as good as he was, then we're absolutely in business. We've got six great centre halves. I really like Fernandez. I feel safe. With him there, although I didn't think he had a, an amazing game yesterday, I like him in the middle, and I like that you've got Cher and Lejeune either side who can come out with the ball. So when you've got that back three, uh, my, my my next thought was look, looking at Shelby. So if you've got three two players so capable with bringing the ball out, I want Shelby to be disciplined and stay high up the pitch, stop coming and getting the ball off them and doing the Hollywood balls. They can do that. Shelby needs to stay forward, and he did. And, and it, for most of the game, he stayed he stayed further forward and more drifting into a number ten kind of position. So I, I was I was really pleased that he showed a bit of discipline, Shelby. Instead of retreating back and getting the ball off the centre halves, he stayed up he stayed up front. And then Carroll, I've been critical of Carroll. I thought it was a silly signing. I didn't think it would work out. And I think that was the first ninety minutes that he completed. I didn't think he'd be able to do that. And he looks like he's really got the bit between his teeth, and he's he's grafting and he's putting himself about. And uh, it's 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 just. It's kind of it's it, 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 the one person we wanted to score yesterday was Almiron, and he and he got there, so it it, it was great. And I, th- I think having him down the left, having uh, Saint Maximum down the right when he comes back, I think we're really dangerous on the break. Great keeper, good centre halves. It's 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 actually working out, and we're getting a lot of luck. We're at, there's a, a bit of momentum there, and I think we've got to hold our hands up and say we've we've had the rub of the green quite a lot. But who cares? Let's let's rack the points up. I. I wanted to talk about Andy Carroll. I don't like. It feels like he knows where he's supposed to be, but he's he's not fast enough, <laughs> and I don't know that he's communicating very well with the rest of the players. And I really hate saying it because I was kind of I was quite skeptical about his signing, and then I was like, actually, it's quite nice, isn't it? And I got like swept up in all that PR stuff about him coming home and all of that. Um, but yesterday, I, I didn't. I didn't think he had a very good. Obviously, he got the assist for the Almiron goal, and and that that goal is going to sort of overshadow the entire game and and the way it was played. But I I I didn't think he was very good yesterday. I think he sort of he tries to do some sort of fancy footwork stuff, and it just the ball just goes to nobody, or you know he's he's missing passes, and he's not fast enough, and he's not getting. And at one point, he seemed to be playing like right back when he should be. 
right up the pitch. So I, I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm disagreeing with you slightly. He's making a nuisance of himself. Yeah. And, he, and, and, and he's he's bullying defenders. That's and, true. And, and, and I think if Almiron starts to get a bit of rough treatment, I'd like to see Carroll going in there and, and and defending him and looking after him and and making him feel a bit safer on the pitch. And 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 that's he's it's Andy Carroll, isn't it? Defenders hate playing against him. Yeah, he's the elbows he's, all over the place. Yeah. You can't you can't get round him and. His, his run is incredible. I was looking at him yesterday. He's like a horse. He just trots. <laughs> trots. Is the gate is he's amazing. He's not very mobile, but yeah, you know, that's, I think at least that's he's up to ninety. Criticism. At least he's at least he's up to ninety minutes. He's 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 got two that's assists true. now as well. And for the goal, I thought it was a really clever bit of play by him. He, composure, a lot of bodies around him. He's got up, won the header, but had the foresight to to knock it back to Almiron. So he's got us two assists, and I'd like to see him become more of a leader. Um, like an unofficial captain, you know, be a bit more vocal, get the lads going because he, he knows what it's all about and he knows this is his, his last chance. This could be his last season. And he knows there's going to be an injury around the corner. So he's, he's, I think he's just got to get out there, enjoy his, his football. And I think I think the fans are responding to him. And he's, yeah. He's, he's, he's doing no, okay. I, I don't disagree with that. I think my issue is the mobility thing. He's not, he's sort of trying to do a lot on the pitch and I'd, I'd prefer him to play further up and d- making those assists which you know he has done. The mad thing is, he's quite good on with the ball at his feet. Yeah, like a bit, bit like Peter Crouch it was always was always pretty pretty good with the ball at his feet. Carroll's got a bit, I think, on the on the deck with the ball. Well, it was was it his cross last week for Shelby? Yeah, yeah, it was. yeah. I, I agree with you both. So, <laughs> Carroll, like I've said before in the podcast, for me, he shouldn't be playing. The only reason he's playing every game is because there's literally now else, which we'll come on to. But he, he is having an impact. I look, I think he's a brilliant option from the bench. And you lose that a little bit when you start. Where you know Dwight Gill came on yesterday and, and did all right and made some good runs and stuff, but it doesn't have the same impact that Andy Carroll has. You're right, Charlotte. That yesterday, he's kind of one of those players where he got deeper and deeper and deeper in search of trying to influence the game. You could see it wasn't going well. You know, you could see from it. So he's trying to get deeper. He's trying to link up play, and it just didn't work. Sometimes he got in the way a couple of times, and there was a point where a ball came across to Mankio, and Andy Carroll should have been right. I'm going to get in the box, but he ran over to Mankio, who then left the ball out like out of fear. I don't know because Andy <laughs> Carroll was was close to him because he'd been calling him. He's going to call us Manky again in public if I do something wrong. The man behind me yesterday called him Manquillo. <laughs> right, so, lo- <laughs> lovely. I'm going to talk more about Manquillo in a bit. <laughs> but it, you know, catch like you say, it did seem like a bit of an odd signing because he played so little football in the past five years. But he's an integral part of the side, and like you say, you look at the Sheffield United game where he got an assist for Shelby, and you look at that header yesterday. I mean, that header, you had no right to win that header. Roy Hodgson afterwards was saying it's, it's what Andy Carroll does. He he, he out jumps people. Well, not only did he out jump them, he ran from the back of the box. Dwight, it was Dwight Gale's header, and, and Andy was just like, out of the way, Dwight. I'll, <laughs> I've got this one. And to get the header back down to, to Miggy was, was perfect. He couldn't have asked for yeah. any better. And it was a sensational goal and a sensational finish. And it's exactly what it's exactly what Almiron hasn't been doing. It was instinctive. Didn't have time to think. Didn't have time to take an extra touch. Think about the goalkeeper or this. You've just got to hit it, son. You've got to hit it first time, and you've got to you've got to have a world class technique. And he did it, and it was an aesthetically pleasing goal mm. in the back of the net. And there was like I, I said this to you after the game, Charlotte. I don't know about you guys in the stadium, but it was like it wasn't a normal goal. There was it was like scenes. It was people yeah. were all over the place. It was it was a, this outpouring of emotion. Well, you know, the, the celebration was bigger than the celebration at the end of the Southampton game. We won the game in the last couple of minutes. It was just like the whole stadium really wanted him to score that goal. I think possibly Carroll, but only those two players would have got that kind of emotion from the stands, which tells you a lot about the esteem Almiron has thought of by the supporters in that 
the conversations a few weeks ago about him being dropped was just just nonsense. I mean, that was proven emphatically at Burnley when he didn't play and were absolutely hopeless. Not just because of his absence, but it but it counted for a lot. Do you think Hetch now, like Steve Bruce is saying, is this potentially the start of a golden goal sc- free score and goal scoring era yeah. in Almiron's yeah. career? Do you think the goal will will help him massively, or do you think he's always going to be one of those players who isn't prolific? Well, I tweeted that out to say I was there when Almiron scored the first of his 261 goals for the club. <laughs> so maybe a bit optimistic for me, but you talk about the reaction of the fans there. What about the reaction of the players? How yeah. popular is he? He's a massively popular guy. There's uh, Bruce was all down the touchline at one point, I think, and then thought better of it and retreated. And everyone ran to him. And the scenes after the game, everyone's the, the smiles on everyone's faces. He's a massively popular player, and he's he's just such a grafter. Things aren't going well for him. Whenever he hasn't got the ball, he's screaming for it. His hands constantly in the air. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Fair play to the lad. He's come over here. He's having a bad time. He's under the microscope because of the fee and because of the length of time he went without an assist or a goal. And he still wants it, and he he still wants it. And he's one of the hardest working players I think I've ever seen. And often, you know, the South American players that can be that can be um, stereotyped as lazy. He's the exact opposite, and he, he's he's so determined to to make this work. I think that's that's going to carry him through. And, and and I think it's such a it's it's a it's just a, a, a one goal, but I just think it can can have a massive effect on him. It's the, the, it's off his back now. I just want him to go. I just want him to go forward, and we know he's got. We know he's dangerous. We're we're a, we're a team that's going to catch people on the counter attack. He should be our one of our main weapons. So I'd love I'd love to see it, and I don't see why not because no one else is getting the goals up front. Yeah, thirty three percent increase in our front three goals this season. <laughs> from one goal is is brutal. And normally would have your rock bottom of the league, but this is not a normal season. Mm. Any stretch of the imagination. Sean, so so Almiron gets the goal and we've, we've won the game. Um, you know, you just said Palace were shit there. Uh, I did. I'm getting in trouble for that. I was a few friends back home, <laughs> back down in London. Um, yeah, that, I think it's, it's one of the important things for me when you looked at the the table before the game was Palace were in and around the same same as a couple of sides we've played in the last few weeks. And I, I, I kind of think that as poor. I agree with you. They were poor. That they, they had injuries, but they've also got one of the best players in the league, which which we don't. Definitely didn't yesterday. You know, do, you know. Do you do you think looking at, at at that game and how tight it was and how close it was? Do you think actually, us and Palace two peas in the same pod? And if and if that is the case, Ketch mentioned it earlier about the ten point gap for relegation. Is is relegation totally off? Totally out of the conversation now? Can we look up rather than down for the rest of the season? It's not not totally out of the question, but we're put ourselves in a much better position. I do think us and Palace probably are two peas in a pod, quite similar. So I've got a good friend in, in London. She's a Palace season ticket holder, a family go. So I've, I've been to Palace a couple of times this season, actually seen them play. I think they are quite quite a functional side. There's not, I wasn't massively impressed with them, but they do have, like you say, one of the best players in the league in Zaha, who can change a game. He's got that skill if he wants to do it. I think probably one of... The most important performances on the pitch yesterday was was Mangio, who was absolutely brilliant and kept Zaha quiet the, most of the game. You know they did have the odd chance, and Dubravka, you know, made a couple of good saves. But I think when you're talking about games and with such fine margins, he's a type of player who could have won that game on his own for them, and he didn't because of the performance of Mankio yesterday. And I think that's a it's a massive kind of it's a massive kind of reason why we ended up being in the position we were and. One goal was always going to win that game. They doubled up on Zaha, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, 
tactics were spot on. You, when you've got three at the back, you can yeah. can shove over. And, and I think it was essential. When I did see the team, I was like, Saha versus Mankio, I'm not, not too uh, happy about that. But they doubled up on him. And it was exactly the way you want a game against Saha to go. Frustrate him, frustrate him, frustrate him. To the point where he's arguing with his manager and he's he's arguing with Van Aanholt and 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 then he's, he loses focus and he's he's less effective. So du- doubling up was was key and it was it was really fantastic defensive performance in that respect. I also yeah. think Zaha knows like he's the best player on that team and tries to carry the whole thing on him on a, on his own. So having two of our players on him is is well, it obviously worked, but he doesn't communicate very well. He tries to take the ball. He tries to get it and 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 run with it himself. I think so. He gets frustrated too easily yeah. as well. When we when they was when we scored and they were setting up, he was uh, he was in a shouting match with Van Aanholt, <laughs> and he actually turned to Hodgson who was right there on his left hand side, and he was pointing at Van Aanholt, and Hodgson totally blanked him, just <laughs> which I didn't take as a good sign for Zaha. So he gets too frustrated. He's the most fouled player in the league, so he should know what to expect. He should know that he's going to have two two to come up, come up against him. Um, but we did we did a job on him, and he's their main threat. I think I think you make a, a good reference there about the fouls because that's what we didn't do yesterday. Mm. Yes, there were some fouls committed against him, but I think there was a very clear plan: stay on your feet against him, don't dive in, don't give them set pieces because they were fairly dangerous from set pieces in and around the penalty area. And it was like you say, catches spot on from the manager who does deserve credit for it. And Charlotte, I know you you were very very impressed with Mankio. This is uh, Mankio, by the way. Who, when we signed him, the whole OER side said he was shit, rubbish, <laughs> can't play football, not good enough. I don't know what happened to Sunderland, by the way. Someone needs to tell me one of these days what division they're playing. <laughs> but it, I mean, it's bad. It's been a bad weekend, hasn't it, for Sunderland fans? They're at because their lowest ever. In they're at the lowest ever in their history, and and <laughs> um, and the, the main bright spark of their season, which is Almiron not scoring, has finished. So, <laughs> Graham on Weir side for Christmas, but back there, back to where it's always Graham on Weir side. That it is. Back to uh, Man- <laughs> Mankio Charlotte. You know, this is a lad who, I think, the past 12 months specifically since Christmas last year, has been tremendous every time he's played. Like, what What do you want to say about his performance yesterday? Do you think he was man of the match? Um, well, Dubravka is my man of the match every match. But yeah, Mankio's <laughs> amazing. He's he's so consistent. He does, he, he, I, I think he's extremely disciplined. He stays where he's supposed to be. And uh, and wins balls and clears them, um, you know, l- loads. That's not very coherent, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think he was my man of the match, apart from Dubravka, who's my man of the match every match. He's, um, yeah, I don't know what, what more you can really say about him. Like, it, he should be starting every game. I do, are we going to talk about Paul Dummett as we well? talk about anyone you want. Because I don't think Paul Dummett should be starting... Every game, I do, not at wing back, not at wing back. Yeah, okay. I, I do really hope not not Dummett's fault. I do really hope that now because Bruce, as we've talked about before, is very much you play okay, you stay in the team. Mm. I think now those three centre backs have come in. They have to play every week for me purely because of what Kedge talked about and their ability on the ball and Dummett does. And, and we got hammered for that at Burnley last week when and and Palace yesterday tried to be quite cute. You know, I thought that every time Dummett and Mankio got the ball, they were just like fine. Yeah. Just, just have it. Don't, don't worry. Don't commit yourself because they're either going to go backwards or when the ball does come in the box, box is going to be dreadful. Now, <laughs> the the actual goal came from Shaw up on the right hand side from a throw and putting a, a really good ball actually, but like you know enough height and dip that the keeper couldn't just claim it at the back post. Mm. And like you say, Charlotte, like Dummett got a lot of time in the first half, especially across the ball. He doesn't trust himself. He needs to be like. Remember Milner? Milner used to always get his cross in. And Milner wasn't particularly great for us for large periods, but his USP became 
he I will get the ball into the box. Dummett needs to trust him, his delivery and just get balls into the box. There's, we've got a, a front three, or we've got like uh, Joel Lynn or Carroll set up to to try and win headers. I think if Dummett's going to start at, at wing back, he needs to get his head down, get to the get to the byline, and get his cross in. But I don't think he trusts his delivery. Somebody I was speaking to yesterday after the match said that Dummett's really missing Willems. What do you think about that, Alex? Well, Dummett was playing in Willems' position, so he's yeah. probably buzzing uh, <laughs> yesterday. But, um, yeah, did Willems not play at Burnley? He did. Did he? Yeah. And Dummett was, was terrible was terrible. There. They so, didn't even mark Dummett at Yeah, at Burnley. the same thing. <laughs> but Burnley, it's not rocket science, is it? If, you, if you're going to press aside, like, teams press us because they can particularly without ASM in the side, you just leave Dummett because the ball, you will get the ball back eventually. But that's not his, his game. He, you know, Dummett is a solid mm-hmm. centre-back in the mm-hmm. Premier League. He's made a career of it, and I think that's a lot more than a lot of people in the early stages of his career thought he would make. So, I'm probably not being fair because he wasn't playing in this position yesterday, but I just thought he was... I, re- I couldn't understand why he was still on the pitch, like, at no, half-time even. Yeah, there was a strange one, wasn't it, when um, when he's got... So he's, got, he's injured now, Dummett. He's gone oh, off no. injured. Um so he brought Yedlin on, didn't he, to yeah. play to play left? So I, I thought play Yedlin. I would have well throughout the game. I was thinking he should have played Yedlin at right back, Mankio. But Mankio did so well against Sahar, and Yedlin did so badly against Sahar last season and cost with the game with the penalty. That fair play to the manager again, and we may as well talk about him catch. You know, Steve Bruce. I I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm going to assume like ninety nine point nine percent of Newcastle fans I met you were not enamoured by the appointment. <laughs> ha, has he grown on you at all? Um, I kind of feel the same. I kind of feel the same. I'm I'm not over the moon that he's in charge of my football club, but what I'm in, what I'm saying is, um, I think behind the scenes he's he's really well liked and he's clearly a nice guy and he's clearly turned the training ground into a very happy place to be, and the players are responding to him, and he's he is riding his luck with with some decisions we've had on the pitch and VAR things and and blah blah blah. But and he's get, he's getting his he's getting his selection right. I still don't think he can influence the game from the mm. technical area. He never leaves the technical area. Uh, I don't know how much effect he's having. I think it's more a cathartic thing for him to be in there, to feel like he's focusing on the game by shouting at his players. But I, don't, I can't see him, you know, making tactical changes live in a game and them having much effect. So he's getting his selection right and he's created a, a great atmosphere at the club and the players are responding and, and, and it's, go, it's going okay. He must be delighted. And I'm probably, if he was honest with us, a bit surprised to be where we are in the league. Ben Wade said to me yesterday on the on the walk to the walk out uh, from the ground that Bruce should just resign now. <laughs> like, ninth in the league, lads. Like Mike drop. Like I'm done. Slag us off. I'm going to leave you in ninth. Ninth. Good luck with the rest of the season. <laughs> but I mean, what what what's going to happen next is we're going to we could go on and have a good season, and then then you have a preseason, and then all of a sudden there's expectation. Oh yeah. And then and then next season when the results don't come. He's, he, we're like, well, we're winning last season. Why? And then, and then that's where his problems start. And then, you know, he comes to the end of his cycle, and, and we're, when we're back looking for a manager, that's that's me looking at the future a bit. He's he's going to create a problem for himself by by being so good. And he's, if he can keep it up, then brilliant. But it's that's going to be difficult. The way our club is structured, it's going to be difficult for him to progress us and, and and take us where we should be going in, into Europe and into the top half regularly. It's going to be really difficult. But interested to see how it goes next year. Well, that's the, that's the thing with Bruce, isn't it? The talk about Mourinho's difficult third season for Bruce is the second season. Sunderland, Villa, Hull, all second, you know, for great first seasons and then the second season it went difficult and we cannot continue to be the team every single game that just plays without the ball. Teams teams kind of, I wouldn't say have worked it out because 
there's only a certain way you can play against it, but you know you won't you won't score your one shot every every game. Unfortunately, I wish it'd be great if you did. Um, it's also not that entertaining. Like <laughs> I know, I know that's. Well, that is why we go. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be, you know, watching really good football. It's just, it's meant watching it yesterday for like 75 minutes was like, Jesus Christ, really? Like, that's how I felt. But when you've got players like, we've got players like Almira on St. Maximum, Shelby, it should be entertaining, shouldn't it? They're creative players, exciting players. I love Shelby shooting from corners and halfway line and <laughs> St. Maximum's bonkers and Almira on is rapid and it should be exciting. And it, it's not, is it? It's, it's I'm definitely, definitely more excited when ASM plays, to be fair. Mm. like, And I think yesterday's game would have been great for him because he does just run at, he, he really attacks with the ball. But um, yeah, yeah, that entertains me. But yesterday's was not. Burnley's was not. Like, <sighs> Well, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like when when we don't get the one goal. I mean, yesterday's performance was no difference to, to Burnley. We had a couple of more chances we had, half we had what, chances we had like a shot on target we had a shot on target yeah and <laughs> but it's the same and, and, and on 75 i'm stood there thinking this like this is so bad this is so bad that and it's like you say about the manager not being an influence the game catch like you're like what how is joe linton still on the pitch yeah. how is he still playing what what purpose does he serve right now i've got to from... be worth 20 million if he's worth <laughs> 40 million like honestly i just i just it's such a shame, and, and I think I think Newcastle fans, I think we're quite, what's the right word here? I think we are patient. I think the fan base has been incredibly patient with Joe Linton. People haven't been getting on his back very much. No one's really written him off yet. A lot of fans are saying, well, there's clearly something in there that means he could be a player at the top level, but it's not going to work for us. My worry, Sean, is I just, I just watch him play every week and put in 75 minutes of garbage, yep. which, which is harsh. But but there is going to be a point. Surely there is going to be a point soon where the manager just has to say, one of the other lads, Mudo, Gail, Carroll, whoever, is ahead of you in the pecking order. Because at the minute, Joe seems to be two now behind Carroll. Do you persevere or do you think, nah, we've seen enough? It's a it's a difficult one. I probably probably would like to see Gail giving a little bit of a shot because I think if he doesn't, he's probably one that gets sold in January if we're going to start reinvesting money in the squad and. And, and looking to change it up a little bit, he's him or Muto will probably the one who'll command any form of fee, because obviously we don't really spend money, we just recycle it. But um, no, I think probably we'd, we'd take him out the firing line. I think you're right, we are as a fan base quite patient, but I think you know you can see by the actual numbers of people who were there yesterday, some people's patience has run out and they're just not going back. So some, you know, some of these performances, although we're getting the points, it is having an effect that some people are just, you know, have drawn a line under for a little bit, which is, is really sad. And um, that will have an effect kind of if you go in long term and, you know, you're talking about next season and difficult second seasons and things like that. Where is the where is the club going in the long term? That is that is a really good point. I was talking to my dad about Joe Linton yesterday because I went with him yesterday and um, and he said he thinks that he must have some sort of clause that he's got to be on the pitch for X amount of time <laughs> so that we can like show him off and sell him. And I was like, it would be better for us selling him if we kept him on the bench and just let him run out for like 10 minutes at a time <laughs> because he's so ineffective on the pitch. But I think you're right. <clears throat> We've been, I don't think anyone blames him for, for him being sort of thrown in um, into this squad. You know, he's not a like for like for Rondon, but I think the assumption was that he would be. Um, and and I, I I 
kind of feel really sorry for him. I know it's, you know, he's probably not feeling too sorry for himself in his mansion, wherever mm-hmm. he is, but um, <laughs> I feel sorry for him. He doesn't fit in this squad. He's not making any impact. He shouldn't be starting. I would, I, I'd have, I'd have like Gale ahead of him, but yeah. That's... He's, he's also, what, 22, 23? Mm-hmm. He's on a six-year contract. He's new in the league. No, don't playing don't in remind a... me of that. <laughs> Six more years. Six more years. On a positive note, I think there's there's clearly something there. Someone someone's thought there's something there. It can take it can take a season. Who? Oh, yeah. He's Who? playing <laughs> six years. I mark my words. He'll, he'll, he could come good, but he's also he's he's not playing in a good team either. So if he was playing in a team that created loads of chances, you'd you'd probably expect a bit more from him. He's having to drop deep. He's having to come and look for the ball, play the hold up, which is. By, by all accounts, look, not he, his position. He doesn't look confident on the ball at, at all when he's got it. He's like he loses it very quickly. He, 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 it's not, yeah, he's not aggressive in any I, way. I really need him to change his boot color as well because him <laughs> and Hayden wear the same boots. So with my terrible eyesight from the back of the corner, when something happens at the Leeser's end, like when when Hayden fell over in the box, yes, I was like, for fuck's sake, Joe Lennon. <laughs> and it wasn't him. It's just getting, assumed it was he's him. He's abuse yeah. for things he doesn't even do, which you probably should, doesn't help me. Instead of him changing his boots and this all being on him, why don't you go to the optician? Oh, well, wow. <laughs> like what, when, when 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 footballers are forcing normal good citizens <laughs> to change their eyesight provision, something's wrong. The, Mark Douglas said in the show a few weeks ago that the one good thing about Joe Lennon so far. Which is, if I don't think you use the word good, but the one non-negative is that he's not missing chances when he got mm. put through one on one. The the only time this season against Spurs, he finished well. So if we can't start creating more chances, and I think there was a point yesterday when Almiron played a nice ball through in the second half, and he ran into it and got tackled, but got a corner. That's that's what he wants to be doing. He wants to be running onto the the ball in behind defence he's just not getting that because we just don't play like that so there might be someone in there who is a good finisher we literally just don't create chances for him yeah. though I would say that there have been numerous times where I've seen him not try hard enough to get in the box if he does hold the ball up and lay it off he doesn't that he wants to like follow the winger or follow the ball or drop short and not get in the box mate yeah. but I think that's enough on, on Joe Litton one, one really nice point I want to make about yesterday was full marks to the stadium announcer who when Paul Dummett went off injured, gave Almiron the yeah. send-off he deserved without him actually being served. What happened there? That was bizarre. That was, yeah. He also do, you think, didn't... do you think he was meant to announce Almiron as the man of the match? Yes. He had Almiron's name in his head Possibly. and then said Almiron instead of Dummett. And I think that's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> it was great for Almiron anyway. He got a great cheer and then yeah, got to play the rest of the game much. as well and get the applauds. They applauds also it. didn't turn on the um, timer after half-time. Yes. So. So, yeah, <laughs> Someone was having a bad day. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I sat in the Millburn yesterday, and so I'm looking up at the um, the little iPad that the double sided tape <laughs> stuck with double sided tape and the glass uh, up there. And it's just this is classic Newcastle. They just haven't thought it through. There's adverts up there for flannels, and a lo- it's like two blokes just randomly standing there with a tiny flannels logo. And then there's call to actions at the bottom that are so small you can't read them. There's like a Twitter address. You've got no chance of reading it. Like it's just not thought through. When that advert's been designed, it looks great on a desktop computer that's 10 inches from your face. But when you're sat in the Millburn stand, like 100 Miles yards away, there's no way you can see it. So it's just little things like that. I'm like, God, it's probably because oh, well, it's probably people just abuse the Twitter like they do with the Sports Direct. <laughs> the, other week, the other week, I went to uh, one of the fan um, focus group meetings for the Sports Trust. And to be fair, we've communicated what was talked about through the Trust to members. And it was um, match day experience. And the, the people who were there... From the club were excellent and I, I really think they've taken on board what was said about safe standing and stuff like that and big picture stuff. But one of the 
one of the things that was claimed was that um, something like 37,000 people in the ground can see that screen. I, I read that. Can't That's rubbish. Be true. It just can't be true. Never in a million years. <laughs> Never. Cause, Where cause, cause, that Because we were like, why isn't there one at the other side of the, the Milburn so that people there can see? Because, hey, you're really far away. But if you're in the East Stand, like you, Charlotte, yesterday, you, you can't see that one. And Didn't even know it was there. <laughs> yeah, 37,000 people. I was just like, nah. Like, find me the market research people who've, who've told, told you that. <laughs> or if you had someone sit in every seat in the ground, and like, yep, yeah, I can see it. Next seat, I can see it. It's, it's a just very nonsense. Trumpian figure to pull yeah. out, isn't it? Yeah, I'll not, I'll not say who said so, it. Sometimes it's a, it shows replays. And other times it's just it's an advert for, like, an energy company. <laughs> like, you see the action, then you turn your head to the... To the screen, and it's, it's, there's no replay. It's so whoever's in, whoever's working it. I don't I don't know what the system. I think it's is. the same person doing the timer, and everything. it's a very busy job. There's no clock. There's right. no clock on the pitch side now either. There is. There is, there is on, the ah, that, on, the so on the Milburn side. just on the Milburn side. Yeah, just yeah. on the Milburn. So you can't see that. <laughs> so if you're in the Milburn side, there's no <laughs> clock for you. Yeah, and it's it's annoying. And well, they didn't have it right anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, um, injury time was announced. Well, the clock was like 86. Yeah. So. People were like, "What?" <laughs> it, it was a bit of a shambles. It's a real shame. This, the, the annoying thing is, there's loads of good people at the club. Yeah, yeah. You definitely. know, staff who've been there for a while, and they just aren't given the resources or the control to to make to make things good for the fans. It's it's really it's a real shame. But that's what keeps the club together. The people behind the scenes, the stewards, you know, the catering staff, the security guys on the gate, and there's some really good people there. The media guys, I deal with the media guys. Um, through my job and like, they're great they're great guys and they're, they're doing a good job un- under the circumstances so yeah <laughs> well uh, you you just mentioned uh, the social media there Sean Fair, I think the social media this season has been way better mm-hmm. I think the, the, the they've really tapped into what fans want and it, we got it again yesterday to do the goals both with Matthew Raisbeck's comedy which is excellent and also just the crowd noise so they've got Almiron's goal there, just just the sound of the crowd, and it's amazing that the roar. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was brilliant. It I, I was referring to Sports Direct to oh, it, not oh, right. the Newcastle United <laughs> one, just to clarify. <laughs> no, that that has been brilliant this season. I think they've really they've really picked that up, and it, it's yeah, been yeah. excellent. There's also that has Almiron scored yet um, Twitter account, and Newcastle United's official Twitter just retweeted it and was like, "Yes." <laughs> I was like, "That's nice." Brilliant. It's slightly more, it's less like mm. corporate, isn't it? Yeah, just it is. Like, it is. It's, nice. it's. It's. I think back in the day. Like 2014 type thing, it was buy this gnome <laughs> and, or whatever, or buy this or buy this. And like, actually, you know, people don't need to be sold stuff from their football club through a social media account. It's not what it should be there for. And they've, they've sorted that out. So at least we're winning the social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, ninth in the league, Man United play it a day, Tottenham play it a day. They play each other, those two, and they both can't win. Um, so we are going to go into Christmas Day only three points off fifth, potentially only four points off fourth place which is which is just mental yeah. um and you think about some of the games this season I've, I've said this before but like burnley um watford brighton, brighton. wolves well actually even though we're terrible villa. terrible yeah. villa as well but we could have won those games yeah. we could have conceivably won those games and you know you know charter come to you first as, as we're, we're very close to the halfway stage and Mark Corby in the pod a few weeks ago made a great point that said he, he wasn't going to get involved when I asked him about, you know, Bruce and how was he done? He was going to wait until we played everyone once. And he said, that's a fair time to give a manager half a season. We're, we're pretty much there. Yeah. And I, I would put to you, Charlotte, that if Rafa had us on 25 points from 18 games, you would We'd be, be putting up statues. Well, <laughs> yeah, may, maybe, maybe anyway. would we? Did you have one planned? 
Uh, no, no, just just uh, just in my my bedroom, but nothing <laughs> nothing big. Next to the, the Dubravka stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Dubravka mural on my ceiling. <laughs> this is getting weird. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. No, but but you know, twenty five points after after eighteen games, it's been a good season, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like if you look at that, all of that, and I'm not going to be negative. I promise. You be you, whatever you want. If you, thank you. It's such a freeing it place, is. This <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, if you look at that on paper, like what what a great season. We're, we're currently ninth. I know that there's a couple of games we played today. But, I mean, that's that's mint. Like, well, it's comfortable, isn't it? I mean, it's not like the soaring, heady heights of like top five. But it's pretty comfortable. And I said this in the article, but... I feel really uncomfortable being in this comfortable position. It doesn't feel quite right. I feel like, you know, we've had so much heartache over the last few seasons and relegation battle after relegation battle and obviously championship season aside. But, um, yeah, it has. It's been a good season. It's not always entertaining to watch. It's painful to watch at some points and I don't think we've got, you know... as as we don't have the options and things like that that, that we'd like to see on the bench and uh, but yeah it's good it is good you've just got to enjoy it yeah i i i, I thought that we could easily go on a bad run of, of 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 not winning i thought that bad run was going to start yesterday at the palace game just just enjoy it and and then strap in for when the I just don't the, feel the, comfortable the winds dry it. up because it could very easily happen <laughs> it's such a such a um inconsistent side i bet even bruce doesn't know what type of team's going to show up on the day you know, we set when you we go. We went into the Villa game on a good run, and it was it was really terrible. Yeah, we were doing. Mm. We had a good result prior to Burnley, and it was really terrible. So, it's, it's seeing what the what the lads are like on the day, and, and and just enjoying enjoying the wins and enjoying not being in the relegation battle at the minute because the bad times could be around the corner. We, we all know that. And but everyone, everybody, just wants to see Newcastle United win football matches and do well. We're all fans. We all. It's the reason we go. Mm-hmm. So you know, I'm, I'm I'm happy where we are at the moment. Obviously, we've talked about. Potential structural problems underneath, but going into the Christmas period with a win, you've got to be happy with that, and like you say, enjoy it because it it could quickly change. Yeah, you made a great point there, Catch about not being in the relegation battle. It's, it's this you say uncomfortable, which is I totally get, but it's stress free. Mm. Like said it loads of times, I'm sick over the years of looking out for like last year was like how Fulham got on how yeah. Brighton got on and you look at these rubbish teams and you're like yes they've got beat 4-0 because that's right but I don't like now Watford Villa Norwich don't care at the minute yeah. <laughs> at the minute do, it doesn't matter Villa got beat yesterday fantastic obviously but not because they're in the relegation zone which is also fantastic but because we're so far away from that that yeah. picture and you're right though Ketch we've got you know Everton new manager Man United away is a hard game Leicester Leicester who just hit a bit of a snag but you're still much better than us, and then and then Wolves and Chelsea. I think are the next fixtures after that. Um, so really hard games coming up, which which gives yesterday's win even more context. It is right that we can just sit here on a fairly sunny afternoon in Gosforth and and talk about Newcastle United. Look, hopefully looking up rather than down and catch kind of last point um, before you break some live transfer news. You said on on the show. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the big conversation, which has always been there and always will be there while Ashley's at the club, is has anything really changed? You know, I'm talking about relegation battles being the norm, which they are. De- like, 
I think a lot of fans, if we finish ninth this season, would still probably say next season's first aim would be avoid relegation. Is anything changing for you with this good good run and the good the good wins? Do you think it's same old, same old? It's just a an elastoplast. Yeah, the, 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 mo- the model hasn't changed. Um, he's not pouring vast sums of money. Uh, he's not pouring anywhere near the amount he should be pouring into the club. He's not improving the training ground. He's not tidying up the stadium. He's not really investing in the academy. We we uh, we don't even have an under twenty three manager. Ben Dawson's filling in. Um, apparently, we've had a hundred applicants for that position, so they need to they need to appoint someone soon. Peter Beardsley put his in a hundred times, like by yeah, <laughs> no, no, not now, Peter. Um, <laughs> but it's still he's not cha- he's, nothing's changing. I think Ashley he's always been a gambler, and he's, he's he continues to gamble, and he, and he's he's striking lucky at the minute. It's it's, it's the problems are, uh, are being masked by the wins. Um, but if we have a good season. The inevitable question is, can we play more attractive football? Can we progress? Can we get into Europe? Otherwise, you know, you just become Stoke and you finish 10th and 9th and 10th and 9th until the wheels eventually fall off because it's a tough, tough league. With What what worries me about Newcastle is I see teams like Wolves, Bournemouth, Leicester just overtaking us, Brighton. All those clubs I've just mentioned have £200 million training grounds state-of-the-art facilities, great stadiums, a, a board that wants to progress the club, wants to invest, they're, they're, they're thinking about, um, they're bringing in new styles of manager, the later, you know, young up-and-coming managers with, with new t- tactics and techniques and, and we're just not doing any of that and we're being overtaken by clubs that were way below us 10 years ago and more and more clubs are going to come up from that, from the championship and, and, and overtake us and it's, it's only a matter of time unless we start doing what they're doing and, and properly investing. So so that's the worry long-term. Short-term, we've just got to ride the momentum and enjoy enjoy the wins and, and see where it goes. Like It's just a roller coaster, isn't it? Yeah, well said. Spare a thought for whoever does have your Mankios washing this week. Might be him, might do it. Uh, a large-sized Wilfred Zahar stuck in his back pocket. <laughs> difficult there, difficult to get out with a wash. Um, and on that note, on that corny note... <laughs> I, th- so <laughs> I think I think we'll call it there. Unless you've got any transfer yeah. news for us, Matt. So I did hear I did hear a whisper that um, I think the way our, our transfer um, recruitment policy works is Charlie and the board give um, Steve Nixon a budget and an idea of what type of player the club wants in terms of fee and wages, and then he goes away and creates a shortlist, comes back with that shortlist, and presents it to Bruce and. Um, whoever, you know, the board, and then there's a selection made as, as to who they want based on the money available. And I've heard that there's eight players on a shortlist for January and Bruce doesn't like any of them. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's, a, there's no English players. I think he wants some English players. There's no English players. I think he, I think he likes Bo, uh, Jared Bowen at Hull. He's not on the list, presumably because he's too expensive. Even though his deal at Hull is up, I believe, in the summer, he's doing so well, he's, he's, he's probably out of our price range and he'll probably want big wages. So that's going to be interesting to see in January if we do go for English players, it might tell us that Bruce has some kind of authority and he can change the minds of, of um, the people above him and, and steer the the team in the direction he wants to go. If we're going in for Brazilians and French players, then that probably uh, tells us that he's being told what to do and who to sign. But I do I, not that Steve Bruce is making the final decision. I think he, he has some kind of influence. I think there's some kind of committee who make decisions based on this list. But as it, as it stands, from what I'm hearing, he doesn't like anyone on the on the list. I really thought that was going to be like we've we're literally nearly closed a deal. It's it's just it doesn't. Oh, like uh, this is Newcastle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't do that until the end of yeah. January. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's no time for integration. Do you remember when we got Dubravko on loan 
and everyone was just like, what the actual fuck? Like, <laughs> this unknown goalkeeper on loan. Like, we've got Rob Elliott and Carl, Carl Dollar. What do we need a goalkeeper for? How wrong we were. But, Very foolish. Uh, I think... I think January is important because all of the things you talked about there in terms of, you know, same old, same old, even if we win the next three games, have to show people that that we are constantly trying to evolve and improve. And if they don't sign anyone, a couple of the senior local journalists have been a little bit kind of, oh, well, they have to, you know, they will have to sell someone and have to create a place in the squad and just not really positive in terms of the sign. I think if they don't sign anyone, a lot of people... I mean, not that anyone needs any convincing about Ashley and the, the people that, or the way the clubs run, a lot of people would be disappointed again because every, every club really signs someone in January because you want to try and improve your squad. And if you don't, if you're not even trying to do that, it tells its own story. We'll call it there then for the True Faith podcast this week. My thanks to you three. Catch, it's been great. It's great to meet you finally in person. Yeah. Sean, good to see you as always. And Charlotte, it's always a pleasure with you. <laughs> You can catch more of uh, of myself and Charlotte mainly on the True Faith podcast patron, <laughs> which is uh, five to seven extra podcasts a week. Uh, only £7 a month. Get involved. There's a few hundred do. Would love to have you on board. Lots of money casting United content. For the free show, we'll be back post-Man United. Charlotte, you're yeah, going? I'm you're driving f- down over to Manchester on Boxing Day. Looking forward to it? Yeah, my um, my dad said he'd hire me a car, and then he hasn't, and now they're all gone. So <laughs> I am <laughs> having to look at it being insured on theirs, and I'll be at home all day because they can't leave. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I am looking forward to it. I am. I've never been to Old Trafford, so I um, I'm interested. I think I think we can probably snatch something from there. Hey, positivity—that's what we're like. We're yeah. going to probably maybe snatch something. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the True Faith podcast. It's been a pleasure. Have a very, very Merry Christmas from everyone at True Faith. Speak to you after. Cheers. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.